the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Strengthen your tent stakes and be ready for exciting growth. Welcome to the program as we're joined today in studio by a very special guest. Some exciting news about some pretty significant um, strengthening of tent stakes going on at a ministry that's had a presence here in the San Francisco Bay Area for more than 70 years now, has impacted upwards of 8,000 lives directly through higher Christian education. And my goodness, the untold numbers of tens of hundreds of thousands of people whose lives have been impacted off of that, well, certainly only God in history will know the impact of the ministry of Golden Gate Theological Seminary, now Gateway Seminary. And joining me today in studio, is the director of the newly formed Fremont Campus, professor of historical theology at Gateway Seminary, Dr. Rick Durston. Doctor, great to see you again. It's good to see you, Craig. Thanks so much for having me in the studio. Lots of exciting things going on today, and I suppose most notably some people saying, wait a minute, new campus, uh, name change? Wow, what's going on here? I must have missed a memo. Uh, there have been some really exciting things going on at this institution that, as I mentioned, has had roots here in the San Francisco Bay Area for more more than 70 years now, so there's a couple of good solid generations plus in there. That's correct. And now that strengthening of the tent stakes for expansion to include a brand new campus in Fremont and down south in Ontario. Tell us what's been going on. On April 1st, in fact, when the president began to share what was going to happen on April Fool's Day, I wondered if it was just a bad joke. <laughs> uh, this was two years ago. The president said, uh, obviously, our trustees were in the know and our vice presidents that we had sold the campus and that we were looking to a acquire a strategic property in Southern California and a strategic property in the East Bay uh, as Golden Gate moved its footprint slightly in California. We already had a campus in Southern California in Brea. He began to share this and to find out if we, the faculty, the students, would respond with unity. And that has been an amazing thing. I think sometimes when you make a strategic step, it's always risky. It always has bumps. It always has problems. But will the people go with you? And it has happened. We also thought that uh, will our, our, our constituencies, the churches and our donors, will they step up and believe that God is in this too? And a uh, about a month after this, our president gets a call, and uh, a donor says, we believe in what you're doing, and we want to fund you to help train church planters anywhere Golden Gate's at, now Gateway Seminary, and wrote a check. The president looked at it, and it was $750,000, and that, that kind of thing keeps happening uh, on the micro level with faculty relocating and getting a house for the very first time, those kinds of things, uh, but the bigger stories are related to uh, how we came to sell the property in Mill Valley because we were stymied. We tried two years to amend our master plan and spent $2 million and actually went backwards. And I do think sometimes when we're knocking on a door, 
It's not the door God wants us to go through, but we think we're just knocking hard enough. Meanwhile, somebody tapped us on the shoulder and said, would you consider selling your property? And it had to be for the right number and with no conditions uh, because it's just very difficult in Marin and perhaps other counties to get something through the Planning Commission. So uh, we uh, settled on $85 million. Uh, We found this property, another kind of miracle in Ontario, where the president said, we looked and looked at buildings, nothing was just right. And the president points at a building and says, that's the kind of building I want. Well, it wasn't for sale, but we owned it within two weeks. Mm. Uh, And we wanted to come to Fremont because it's, it's so central to the freeway system. It's on the BART line. A church calls us up out of the blue. We would like to give you property on Mission Boulevard in Fremont. No conditions whatsoever. So now we've broken ground in Fremont, and the construction is going forward as rapidly as the uh, contractors can deliver it. Uh, Two-story, beautiful, beautiful building on Mission Boulevard, which we're excited about that also. So the Fremont campus of Gateway Seminary will be here. Uh, We've already moved into the campus down in Ontario, and uh, we are holding on to a rent back in Mill Valley uh, until December when the Fremont campus will be ready to occupy and we can start classes in the spring of 2017. There's a lot of wonderful strategy that seems to have come together and, and, and just perfectly aligned, but I get the sense that God has really been the driver of that strategy. To, to have a buyer come along, to be able to unload that prime real estate in Mill Valley and literally expand the ministry brand new facilities. And even the building in Ontario, I understand, is a bit of a miracle. That was something I understand that went up and that got stymied because of the 2009 economic downturn and literally sat there as a shell, almost as if God said, I've reserved this property for you. Exactly. Um, The building went into bankruptcy and was acquired. And so we got a great deal on a high-end business building that had never been finished on the inside. And so we spent uh, several millions of dollars to renovate it to be a state-of-the-art training place for uh, pastors, church planters, ministers. So when they walk in there, they're going to feel thrilled that God has called them to train at Gateway Seminary. Let's talk about the name change. For literally 70 years of the history of the ministry of Golden Gate Theological Seminary, uh, seem to reference your location, Mill Valley, literally overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge and the, the, probably the most recognizable landmark in the world. And yet the name change seems to lead more toward the mission of this educational ministry in the sense of serving as a gateway to pastoral work, certainly missions work, a big emphasis in the educational programs within what now Gateway Seminary is doing. Uh, It is true. People all over the world, and especially in the United States, who want to work cross-culturally, multiculturally, they will come to the Bay Area because that's who we are. Uh, Virtually any people group you want to work on planet Earth or in the U.S., they live here. You can look it up in the Yellow Pages or Yelp it and find a restaurant. So I can taste what that culture is like uh, here in Fremont, uh, the, the flea markets that's here. Any Middle Eastern nation in the world, you can go there and find your people. And so to have uh, this campus really is the next step, the next generation of Golden Gate's mission. You know, sometimes we start our mission and 
we're a little myopic. It's a little smaller than what God plans for. And he said, look up higher. You know, claim, claim the nations. And I think that the move from Golden Gate, so, you know, Golden Gate has six campuses. We have five physical campuses and one online. And when you answer the phone in Denver, Colorado, and say Golden Gate Seminary, it doesn't quite connect that, that well. Uh, and we want to be a gateway to anywhere God is calling somebody to train or calling someone to go. And we're very excited about uh, the possibilities. By the way, for the last two years, somebody had renamed our critical PR piece, public relations piece, and it was called a Gateway Magazine. So God has been ahead of us all the steps. <laughs> Indeed. We're just trying to catch up with him. I, a friend of mine says, you know, we don't take Jesus to anybody. Jesus takes us to people he's already working with. And that's just what's happened at Gateway Seminary. Was it strategic also, Dr. Durst, in terms of maintaining a presence here in the San Francisco Bay Area? And I ask that question because we know that many notable Christian schools and universities have left the Bay Area. Now, uh, not to cast any aspersions, they deal with the high cost of living here, the expenses of operating any kind of institute here in the Bay Area is just outrageous. And so the desire to want to move to greener, cheaper pastures is certainly a logical one. And yet I have to wonder, as you speak to the representation of the globe right here in the San Francisco Bay Area, where you can have a student come through the doors, sit through the program at Gateway, and then get some real-world mission field experience, not halfway across the world that requires an airplane flight and a passport, but literally down the street. There's got to be something very strategic to that approach to maintaining the presence of a campus here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Part of the vision of our presidents, I've, I've been at Golden Gate for 25 years now, so I've sat under a number of presidents, and the vision has always been to put the training as close to the person who's called as possible. So they don't have to disrupt their ministry. They can energize it, polish it, strengthen it by training at Golden Gate. You know, typically we think about get your training and then start the ministry. Well, really, Many of the students that God is calling to go, it's the other way around. They've started their ministry, and now they realize the need for additional uh, strategies, education, to get sounder in the Old Testament, the New Testament, theology, church history, and that's why they seek, uh, seek out Gateway Seminary. Now, the cost of living faithfully for Christ is going up. Many of us are facing increasing hostility as we share the gospel. However, it's the nature of the gospel that it gets better lift when it's shared in the wind of hostility. Mm -hmm. And the same for the seminary. But God steps up and picks up the check. Uh, I remember sitting with a Chinese pastor, much senior, really respected, and I didn't know how, how you get the check, you know. And I reached out for the check, and he grabbed it and said, I'll pick up the check. And I thought about the words of the Lord, you know. Uh, Vengeance is mine. I'll pick up the check, so to speak. Well, God's picked up the check for us at Gateway, and we're so grateful. It's not anything we've done. It's his plan. It's his supply. But we are some word less than unfaithful if we don't step into that and keep stepping and keep trusting and keep persevering even when wrinkles and troubles happen. Dr. Rick Durst is with us today in studio. He is, by the way, the director of the new Fremont campus 
of now Gateway Seminary, and uh, we are delighted to hear the good news of what God is doing and the growth of this ministry, uh, not only here in Northern California, but the brand new campus facilities in Southern California as well. And of course, there is a global footprint of this ministry in terms of the online learning. We'll talk a bit about that in a moment. Right now, we'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to The Conversation. We're visiting today with Dr. Rick Durst. He is the director of the newly formed Fremont campus of Gateway Seminary. You say Gateway Seminary. That, that doesn't ring a bell. How about Golden Gate Theological Seminary? Oh, that should ring a lot of bells. A ministry that's had deep roots here in the Bay Area for more than 70 years now. More than 8,000 students have matriculated through the campus doors there and gone into the mission field, be it here in America or overseas. And, of course, that great, rich theological heritage will continue now with a brand new campus in Fremont, brand new facilities in Ontario. And we were just mentioning before the break, Dr. Durst, the fact that part of the vision here is to give students practical in-field ministry application. And traditionally, it's been come, learn by the book, and then go and be sent and discover in the missions field what real ministry is like. This is a unique environment, isn't it, particularly for the presence of Gateway here, in that the missions field is not a plane ride. It's literally out your back door. Every potential culture, language, people group that exists anywhere on the planet is represented right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I think what in particular excites me about the ministry, the educational ministry, of Gateway Seminary is the fact that not only are you equipping students to serve in the real-world environment that benefits us here locally in terms of impacting the Bay Region with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that practical application of going into all the world, Samaria, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. There's probably nowhere else on planet Earth where Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth are virtually the same thing. Absolutely. When I think about the location in Fremont and just start looking around, knowing what ethnic groups are uh, located with some intensity in different places, and also the fact that we're, we're in the Silicon Valley and what's happening in Google and Facebook and all of those companies that are changing the world's culture, and to embrace that with theological education and biblical interpretation – that's the right mix uh, for students to be shaped and transformed. And one of the things I really like about Gateway Seminary is sometimes uh, Christianity can be steeped in tradition and which the traditions of the faith and the truth of the doctrine, that, that doesn't need to change. But methods always need to be changing. And, but sometimes we elevate methods almost to idolatry. But at, Go- at Gateway Seminary, you are expected to try new things and not succeed always. You know, it's, it's almost as if in the classroom, what have you failed at lately? Because you tried something new, and it doesn't always go well. Or how could you tweak that? How could you do that? And the faculty that are, are um, in, in the classes, they're real-world practitioners. In fact, I used to think the only way you could come on the seminary's faculty is by having literally 10 to 20 years in the international field. Mm. And many of our faculty have serious um, – pastoral ministry experience, but plus some have lots of international experience. Uh, Our professor of counseling, uh, she 
was there when Serbo-Croatian War broke out, and she and her husband were delivering counseling and Christian truth and pastoral care, and they bring that into the classroom. What could be better? And beyond the practical application, there's another point that I want to underscore here. We've seen an alarming paradigm shift take place in higher education, not only secular higher education in America, but even in theological training, that has embraced not new methodologies, but new theologies that depart from historical, biblical Christian teaching. And I think, in particular, what's exciting about the presence and the impact of Gateway here in the San Francisco Bay Area is that while you embrace, as you suggest, Dr. Durst, new innovation, new thoughts, new ideas to disseminate the gospel, to impact lives for Christ. And let's face it, we should always be doing things like that. I mean, who would have looked at radio 80 years ago and said this can't possibly be a tool for the gospel, where today it's considered to be a normative part of the overall tools that are available to us in sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ or or growing in in one's discipleship in, in relationship with the Lord. But the fact that Gateway is dedicated to the fundamental historical Christian pillars of truth, I think is particularly exciting because we've seen this trend take place in many other ways where all of a sudden the New Ageism begins to creep into theological teaching and we're embracing pluralism and things of this sort. We end up watering down the effectiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that has not at all been the case of the theological approach by Gateway. Uh, Gateway Seminary is uh, an educational enterprise of the Southern Baptist Convention. So people know what we stand for in terms of, as you suggested, uh, we are committed to uh, the the infallibility and inerrancy of Scripture. We are committed to um, the the historic faith, uh, the Nicene Creed, and so forth. Uh, And we really believe that God shows his power in faithfulness to Scripture and the gospel. And my job as a faculty member is to acquaint the students with the spectrum of what's taught and what has been taught in church history, but then show them how we are faithful in this context with the scriptures, from the scriptures, in order to address the issues. Um, uh, For instance, in uh, about 1952, when the Revised Standard Version came out, it changed a number of things from the King James Version. One of the things it changed was 1 John 5, 7, and 8, uh, which was, in the King James Version, a, an explicit reference to the Trinity. These three, Father, Son, and Spirit, are one. Well, that isn't in the oldest biblical manuscripts. So immediately, um, Muslim apologists began to say, Christians have taken the Trinity out of the Bible. And so consequently, there's that... that, that uh, tension. Tension, yeah. When, how do I answer that? Well... Uh, part of my research and other faculty's research is to look in the New Testament. There are 75 references to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, or Spirit, Son, Father, in one of those three orders in the New Testament. So it's not our fault we believe the Trinity. It's what the Scripture says. If you take the Scripture seriously, you're going to believe what the ancient faith is with reference to the one God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's a, just an example of how we do things at Golden, uh, Gateway Seminary. Uh, to, to train the students to be effective in training others and their leaders in the churches to do the work of ministry in the Bay Area and beyond. And to be able to address those kinds of questions, to to have 
a strong biblically-based apologia that can go to the heart of the questions that will be raised by not only other cultures and other peoples and seekers, but also people that come from other religious viewpoints that wish to engage in debate. At the end of the day, um, Christian apologetics is really not about trying to win a debate, but it's about disseminating truth in love that can effectively change lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yesterday, a Muslim had asked a person who's sharing the gospel here in the Bay Area, and had asked her, what about the Crusades? And I said, well, I'm going to give you an answer. I'm not sure it's the one you want to use because it's too argumentative. But Laman Sana, who taught missions at Yale University, he's a Muslim background believer. Um, he said, look, Christians did commit these Crusades, and we've been apologizing for a 1,000 years. Muslims are still committing Crusades, and they have never, ever apologized. What's up with that? How come there's no apology of it? I said, well, you could give that answer, and it may rock them back a bit. But maybe a better way of coming at that is to say, what is it in the nature of Christianity that when we make a mistake, we want to honor God by honestly acknowledging that and humbling ourselves? Why is it when Islamic leadership makes a mistake? Where is the place of repentance in that? And what is the difference? Uh, You may be aware of this. There's a new wind blowing in Islam. And because of the um, jihadist, fundamentalist uh, movement that's causing death, mostly against Muslims, but touching everybody in the world, many Muslims are saying, this is not working for me anymore. I need to find something else, and they are coming to Christ. Now, with persecution... But there is a new wind blowing across the Middle East, and more Muslims are coming to Christ now than ever. Well, and the concept of a personal relationship with the very God himself, who is in the business of not retribution but reconciliation, has got to excite somebody when that truth is quickened to their heart by the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation. If you've just joined us, Dr. Rick Durst is with us today in studio. He is the Fremont Campus Director of Gateway Seminary, formerly known as Golden Gate Theological Seminary. Lots of exciting things going on with the expansion to a brand new campus centrally located in the San Francisco Bay Area that really is literally 45 minutes driving time from no matter where you live in the San Francisco Bay region. And of course, there's also a a brand new campus that has been established down in Ontario. There's an online outreach as well of education that we'll talk a bit about when we come back to more of our conversation with Dr. Rick Durst from Gateway Seminary. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Dr. Rick Durst is with us today from Gateway Seminary, formerly known as Golden Gate Theological Seminary, located for, my goodness, more than 70 years in a beautiful campus in Marin County in Mill Valley. And now, uh, with a recent sale of that campus, moving to a brand new facility in Fremont, centrally located for anybody in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's also allowed construction of a new facility in Ontario. And as we talk about the the breadth and depth of the educational course offerings um, through Gateway Seminary, just walk us through, if you would, Dr. Furfos, that are maybe not familiar with uh, the ministry opportunity, the educational ministry opportunity is here. Give us kind of a, a brief thumbnail look at the ministry of Gateway. Well, those of you that know theological education, you know that the bread and butter degree 
degree is the Master of Divinity. It's a three-year degree that is anchored in Bible, Old and New Testaments, hermeneutics, how do you interpret the scriptures, church history, theology, and then practical courses in pastoral care, missions, evangelism, uh, and so forth. And there's a uh, field education component in there in order to complete the degree program. So that's a three-year degree program. We have a, a, a scaled-down version. Some people call it MDiv light, but it's the Master of Theological Studies. So if you just take the core of the MDiv, excluding the biblical languages, Greek and Hebrew, that's what the MTS is, Masters of Theological Studies. But also others are feel called to discipleship education. So we have a Masters of Art and Educational Leadership. Now those are that's a two-year degree. The Master of Theological Studies is also a two-year degree. Now, all of those programs will be offered at the uh, Fremont campus. Uh, all of the courses for the MDiv are offered every year. Uh, just yesterday, I said to some uh, friends at church, um, you can drop in on any of my classes anytime. I'd just like you to see what it's like. You can audit classes. There are specific certificate programs that you could take in youth ministry, um, in Bible teaching program. So there are subsets of one of those degree programs. So you can wade in as deep as you think your schedule will allow. One of the things, too, in terms of people with busy schedules, that's always a challenge to trying to accommodate if you're in full-time ministry and looking to expand your education or working full-time and looking to, to get the education to move into full-time ministry, and that is online learning. And, and you have a, a depth of knowledge about this because you, in fact, began um, Gateway's online educational track. Tell us a bit about that. Um, well, let me say first, those of you who are listening and your pastor, your minister needs theological education it's a big sacrifice to pursue education. You have to give up something to get something. Please encourage them to do it and support them in doing it, even pay for it. Get them to have that education. They will have more tools in their toolbox to solve ministry issues if you will let them prepare and get a really sharp ax. Uh, they'll, they'll be the better for it and bless you for it all their lives. And the kingdom will grow and prosper that way. Now, I was the vice president of academic affairs at Golden Gate, been there for 11 years, and I realized we have got to develop an online program. Went to the president and said, I said, basically, you got to have somebody that's passionate about it and think you can really deliver high-level theological education online. And so 30 days later, he called me back. I've been praying about this, and he said, Rick, I think you should do it. Uh, will you develop the online program? So I stepped down and spent seven years developing the online program. Honestly, it's an all-volunteer army. The faculty, not that they're doing it for free, but they said, I want to do it. I want to do it. And the ones that are doing it are saying, what my students learn online is not less than what they learn in the classroom. And they kind of would like, it's like they've become addicted. They want to just teach online. So Golden Gate does it with a little more I'll say hands-on, but the faculty are very involved. It's not just give you assignment of reading and take a test and then you're done. There's interaction, there's videos, all kinds of tools uh, that happen with that. So at the Gateway Seminary, I've organized the schedule. So if you could give us just your Monday, uh, late morning, noon, and night, you can get that Master of Divinity or the other, any of the other degree programs in four years. We also have night classes, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. Now, as we grow, we can add more to that schedule. But any time that you can't get the class you need because of your schedule, all of these courses are offered on online every year. So you can plug one of those in. So if you're 
uh, a student at Gateway Seminary, you can take it in any of those formats as you need. And we have, say, myself, for instance, we have other academic advisors who can help you sort through the schedule to come up with the best plan that will work for you. Now, I got my Ph.D. in historical theology with the vision I wanted to build a bridge between my church in Vallejo and the seminary and between the seminary and my church, and it worked out fantastic. So I would encourage you, don't come to seminary by yourself. Bring your church with you and bring the seminary to your church. Well, and listen, at the end of the day, uh, church as the body of Christ, better equipped, will become more effective for the sake of the gospel of the kingdom. And one of the issues that, that always troubles me is that there is there is such a a body of evidence to suggest that there is tremendous degree of theological ignorance, uh, biblical illiteracy out there, and that's not just within the folks that sit in the pews. We hear oftentimes stories that are in the newspapers all the time about heresy that's being taught from the pulpit. The deeper the education in God's Word, the truer that we will be through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and ultimately the more effective we can be. In a day and an age when there is so many competing theological viewpoints that are extra-biblical, uh, to know that there is an institute that's available right here in the Bay Area, not only for direct in-class learning, but the, the miracle of the Internet and the convenience that it can provide. And I've heard some students say that they even get a, feel like as if they get a more intimate, deeper education because of the impact of the online learning, because you don't have the distractions that are there that you wouldn't maybe in a normal classroom setting. Well, the and, introverts have an advantage online. Oh, yes, they do, don't they? <laughs> and the other thing, too, is to be able to go deeper in the sense that we, we, we extract from the equation now all of the commuting time that's involved. Exactly. And that, if that commuting time can be now put to a better use, like more time studying, Imagine the depth of the impact of that. So there really is are, are multifaceted advantages here, aren't there? Yeah, online education is not easier. It just puts it right on your desk, and you have to be very self-disciplined to keep up with it. As we do it at Gateway, you have assignments that are due every week, and then it all switches over to the next week. So you have to keep up, but it's designed by the faculty so that this curriculum shapes you up, and you should grow theologically and I'll say pastorally, as you go through that class, and you'll see it happen. You'll see new muscles uh, spiritually where they weren't there before. Do you see a lot of um, students also enrolling that perhaps have uh, been career in ministry and would like a little bit of a refresher course or would like to maybe go deeper in their understanding just to improve their pulpit ministry or maybe God's calling them to a shift in direction they're going to move from, um, from the pulpit into the mission field? Yes, I love that when that happens. Uh, I love having experienced people in the classroom because sometimes students that are younger don't have enough life experience to say, well, when am I ever going to use that? Oh, I'll answer that one. I'll answer that one. And I I just back away then and let those experienced people speak to that issue, and the class just sort of binds together as a real community of learning. Um, In 2018, uh, we will host our first Doctorate of Ministry track. So those of you that are ready for, to move beyond your theological degree in hand now to something doctoral, uh, one of my friends who went through the doctoral program at Gateway Seminary, he said, before I entered this program, I was tired and just 
enduring my ministry, but now I'm leaving it enjoying it. Mm. So if you'd like to restore the joy and get additional tools, sharpen yourself so you can sharpen your people, I encourage you to to pursue that and look at it very carefully. You know, it's biblical. We're we're told to study to show ourselves approved, and I don't think you you ever cease that experience. There's nothing in Scripture that says, and once you're ordained, you may stop, or once you have your MDiv, you may stop. No. Yeah. It says study to show yourself approved. That's and a so, lifelong learning. Absolutely so. And of course, what a delight to know that part of that lifelong learning can be right here in the San Francisco Bay Area with really the expansion of Golden Gate Theological Seminary, now known as Gateway Seminary, um, campus opening here in 2017. Uh, in Fremont. Of course, we continue to use facilities there in Mill Valley, brand new facility down in Ontario. And for folks that would like to get more information, either about the online educational track or about attending classes, either at the existing campus or, or most notably at the new Fremont campus, what's the best way to reach you? Just give us a call. Or you can go online at gs.edu. Much easier to remember than ggbts.edu gs.edu, and you can make connection, you can get information, uh, you can actually even make an application there. By the way, the uh, vice president of uh, student services told me you can still apply and still start classes at, at Gateway Seminary this fall, and they'll even waive the application fee, so it's a sale. Fantastic. We'll take advantage of the opportunity. And again, uh, you can go online to get more information at GS. Just think of Gateway Seminary, gs.edu. That's gs.edu. Or you can call toll-free, 888-442-8700. That's 888-442-8700. Or again, online at gs.edu. I imagine there's going to be an exciting open house coming up uh, in 2017 as well. Yes, we're, we're starting to prepare for that already. Excellent. We'll look forward to that. I'll be looking for my invitation. Hey, thanks to uh, Dr. Rick Dernst for being with us in studio today, director of the new Fremont campus. And uh, we've got to get you back to talk about one of your books, too, here. Reese. Love to uh, do it. In fact, I've got the latest sitting on the counter in front of me on Reordering the Trinity, Six Movements of God in the New Testament. So we'll make an appointment for that, too. Dr. Rick Dernst from Gateway Seminary, thanks so much for your time. And again, information available on the web at gs.edu. That's gs.edu or call toll-free 888-442-8700. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're going to turn corner and deal with another topic, one that quite frankly a lot of us rebel against, we, we struggle with. We've heard passages of Scripture regarding how the wives should submit themselves to their husbands. And, of course, we, we sometimes uh, uh, sort of recoil at that idea and, and then fail to recognize the second portion of that Scripture says that husbands should, should love their wives as Christ loved the church. And we know how Christ loved the church. He gave his very life for it. But this whole issue of learning how to submit and what submission means is something that a lot of us, quite frankly, struggle with. Uh, Certainly in our fallen condition, the sense of wanting to rebel, not submit, seems to come more naturally. But at the end of the day, when we talk about being able to deepen our relationship with God, is it really about rebelling or is it about submitting? 
Joining me now, best-selling author, radio talk show host, his program, Road to Reality. He has authored over 200 books, some of which bestsellers selling more than 2 million copies. And he, of course, is the founder and international director of Gospel for Asia, Dr. K.P. Yohannan. And K.P., great to have you back on the show. Yeah, thank you. Good to be with you. Boy, this whole idea of submission, we kind of get uncomfortable with that idea, don't we? The, the idea of being able to kind of lay down, to yield our our will to God, that's something that most of us just don't really cuddle up to. Yeah, you know, uh, when you think about it, anytime you, you hear the word submission or uh, surrender, naturally uh, our hearts um, go cold and uh, we don't we don't like to hear that and one of the reasons is you know the the, the abuse of leaders and authority and uh, you know husbands um, and i think um, we naturally resist that but the the truth of the matter is this that someone who is truly following the lord um, they, they they want to please the Lord, and that also involves in um, embracing humility and submitting to authority, even when there are difficulties we have to deal with. You know, think about David, who absolutely uh, knew God, and God anointed him, and here he was in a difficult situation under King Saul, and David had every chance in the world, and of course, you know, he would be justified to kill Saul and... Um, uh, inherit what was already given to him by God, but he would not do that. He said, I cannot do it, and I cannot raise my hand against God's anointed, even when Saul was, you know, uh, a man who walked away from God. And I think there, there needs to be a deeper understanding of godliness uh, by our absolute surrender to God and His ways. And uh, our problem in America or in the church, honestly, I do not think it is, uh, huge abuse of authority, rather it is um, uh, people that uh, we, we do not want to uh, die to self and uh, be willing to uh, walk under the authority of God. It's interesting that you would single out David. Many of us would sort of regard him instantly as being this tremendous man of God. He's known as a man that has heart after God, a tremendous leader, and yet not really recognizing that perhaps one of his greatest attributes, one of his greatest strengths, was his ability to submit to God's authority. And, you know, trusting in God's sovereignty. You know, the scripture says in First John, someone says that, you know, I love God so much, the God that you cannot see, but then do not love those that he can see, the scripture says he is a liar or she is a liar. The truth is not in that person. So uh, when we live on earth, uh, acknowledging God's sovereignty, you know, and, and trusting him um, and, and submit to him, as long as the authority don't ask us to violate God's law and disobey God, and, uh, you know, uh, there are times, um, you know, I talk about that in the book, uh, when the authority asks us to violate God's word, we, we cannot uh, say, okay, I do whatever you tell me to do. Uh, but I, I really believe uh, when you have 65% divorce rate um, in our evangelical uh, homes, or 82% of the young people who grew up in Bible-believing churches leave the church when they leave home, and um, the broken families 
there has to be some explanation to this. And I think we are uh, 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 self-willed, arrogant, proud, stubborn people uh, that we will, mu- we, we will not give up and we'll fight. And um, uh, someone who wants to know God and be godly, I think Jesus lived in absolute submission to his father, which also reflected in his submission to his parents, who were not, you know, you know angels, they were fallen people, how he lived uh, obeying his father, which was reflected in his life on earth. And I think the Lord calls us to uh, follow him. Um, and I think Romans 13 very clearly talks about that. You know, I'm uh, you know, not the one who promote that we go around and fight with everybody around us, but really the question is this. Do we truly know the living God in our life? And is there godliness in us? That should be the reason um, why we surrender and obey and, and live through this. And the scripture is full of illustrations to this. Let's go deeper. The point that you make, uh, KP, regarding arrogance and pride and how that feeds into our culture, our society today, is, is part of the challenge here in terms of understanding what it means to wholly submit to God. The notion that quite often we equate submission with weakness and we think, well, well I, I can't possibly submit because I don't want to be seen as being weak or vulnerable. No, you see, the thing is, when you study the scripture, um, you know, submission is not weakness. As a matter of fact, the, the, the text itself, when you read about it, talks about strength under control. Um, it is um, my choosing to say, you know, I, I, I yield my rights and I do not want to fight. And, you know, Joseph had every right, every uh, reason to accuse, to fight and malign and uh, do all kind of things against, uh, you know, uh, his master and his wife and so on. But you never find him complaining, murmuring, uh, fighting. And um, the, the reality uh, is this, that in the body of Christ, uh, in the local church or in the home, because we never learned what it means to die to self and denying ourselves. Uh, we want God, you know, it is like in America, you say, you want the cake and eat it too. Um, it, it just don't work like that. And I think the message of the cross and dying to self and being broken and humble and being uh, not wolves, but lambs following the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is seen uh, in, in the way we conduct ourselves in the society, in home, um, and things like that. I and mean, think about it. Uh, our very culture in the United States, as you know, I mean, we were born out of rebellion in some ways. And from the uh, childhood, we are taught, you know, fight for yourself, um, defend yourself, and and uh, you have your rights and stand up for your rights. I'm not saying we should, you know... Um, you know, agree with all the dumb things going on and just lay down and somebody, you know, wipe you out. No, I, I'm, I'm talking about people that read God's Word and, and trusting His sovereignty and willing to obey those um, that God placed over us. And that's what, you know, Paul writing to the slaves, their masters many times abusing them. And he says, you must obey your masters as unto the Lord. While Paul says, Masters, you know, treat these people as your brothers. Uh, 
and Paul never promoted rebellion and fight, and uh, that is exactly what Lucifer did. Uh, he did not want to submit uh, under authority, and uh, the angel became Satan. And in all of us, there is that seed of Lucifer. By nature, we are stubborn and rebellious people. And so uh, we, don't, we don't want to experience suffering in the flesh, which is the means we learn obedience and understand the ways of God. That's what the Bible says. Jesus learned obedience through suffering, and which translates into um, walking away from uh, our rights many times and, and, and follow instruction. And fascinating that we seem to take almost a, one extreme or another position. In other words, KP, we're either independent and strong, or we're submissive and we're weak. And yet look at the image that we see of Christ, presented as both the Lion of Judah, a tremendous symbol of strength, and overcoming the very gates of hell, and yet also depicted in the weakness of the Lamb that ultimately was slain on our behalf. And so we see it not as one extreme or another, but in this case, really uh, both. A look at Touching Godliness, a new book written by K.P. Yohannan, available, by the way, through Gospel for Asia. You can contact them online at gfa.org. That's gfa.org. He's authored over 200 books and the radio program syndicated on over 900 stations weekly. Dr. K.P. Yohannan, founder and international director of Gospel for Asia. K.P., is always a delight to have you with us on the program. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.